Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 33rd episode of the Best Phone Plans Podcast. With me, as always, is Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, as always. Got a nice, clean shave. Dude, your your cut is looking so fresh right now. Guys, in the comments, let us know what you think of Dennis's hairstyle. I think it looks awesome. If you're listening to the audio-only format of this, check the live stream. I mean... He's showing off a great look right now. Nice nice uh, beard trim, too, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Cleaned up. Anyway, we've got a great show planned out for you today. We're going to be talking about Dish and their deal with AT&T. I think this is huge. This might be some of the biggest news from the telecom industry this year, I would say. Dennis, your hot take? My hot take is this is the best thing that could have happened for Dish. Oh, I love it. I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, this, should we just go ahead and dive right into this then? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's start with let's do it like positive, negative type deal. The good, bad, the ugly. I like that. I like that. So, uh, start positives. Maybe talk about what the deal is and the pros for Dish and AT and T. Yeah. So basically, long story short, of the deal is that AT and T is going to be the preferred carrier that Dish is going to roam on now, yep. uh, instead of T Mobile. That's, That's basically correct. the gist. Yeah, so I, maybe quick recap, during the Sprint T-Mobile merger, we had an agreement in place where uh, Dish would be using T-Mobile as their network provider for about seven years following the merger, and that's been the case up until uh, basically this past week where Dish was using T-Mobile. Unfortunately, this really hurt uh, not Dish, but Boost Mobile's plans because Boost Mobile went from having that direct relationship with Sprint to suddenly becoming essentially a T-Mobile MVNO. They went from offering truly unlimited data to being capped at, I think it's 35 gigabytes of high-speed data. A lot of Boost Mobile customers were upset by that. And uh, this new deal is basically Dish's getting out of that deal with T-Mobile, and they signed a brand new deal with AT&T to be the AT&T MVNO. So Boost, Ting Mobile, and Republic Wireless will all be moving to the AT&T network. This is huge. And it's a 10-year agreement, although I saw some analysts saying this is basically a 12-year agreement because there's a two-year migration period, which makes sense. We got a lot of Boost Mobile customers who still have those legacy devices. They need time to migrate over. Um, And then after that is complete, there's a 10-year agreement in place. So that's kind of what's going on. Uh, Dennis, dive in the pros here. What's looking good for Dish? What's looking good for AT&T? So the good of this deal is that, first off, AT&T has a much stronger network than T-Mobile does. So this is going to be really nice for Dish, considering that Dish is going to start with their native network. Dish is going to primarily be focusing on urban cities. Yep. And AT&T already is known, well known for having the robust world coverage. So it's sort of like a match made in heaven. Uh, in fact, it wasn't that long ago that T-Mobile used to rely on AT&T for their roaming agreements. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. In fact, I think they still do for some locations. Yeah, so number one is they have a much better network. Number two is that uh, AT&T, like the spectrum that AT&T uses, a lot more devices have support for. Like Band 17 has been around the block for quite a while now. Right, so it's going to be a lot easier to migrate customers over to AT&T's network than it would have been to do so for T-Mobile, and it will also be more affordable to migrate customers over to AT&T's network than it would be for T-Mobile because you can give them a nice cheap LTE-based phone, and well, Dish would want to give them a 5G phone because of their network, but 
as that middle stopgap that we talked about from previous episodes, they want to give them a, a cheap phone. They can. In fact, AT&T might even do the heavy lifting on that. I mean, AT&T's been giving out iPhone SEs to yeah. customers. Absolutely. So, AT&T's had great iPhone deals recently with no signs of slowing down. So, I mean, I mean, it's possible that AT&T might do the heavy lifting on that to migrate those customers over. Yeah, and I would say another big win for AT&T is they're gaining that MVNO revenue. So, you know, Dish signed basically an MVNO agreement. I think it's uh, estimated at $5 billion. Um, and it's uh, a source cited that T-Mobile would be losing about $500 million to $2.5 billion per year in wholesale service revenue, which is what Dish was accounted for. So that means AT&T is basically gaining that $500 million to $2.5 billion per year uh, in revenue based on this agreement. So I think that's a big, it's a big win with AT&T right there. So yeah, focusing on the perks for AT&T, the biggest perk for AT&T is they're going to be able to use some uh, Dish's Spectrum, which pairs a lot nicer with what AT&T has as far as holdings go. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be the big win there for AT&T. I was really focusing on Dish's benefits, but AT&T is making out like a bandit. They're getting revenue from Dish to further deploy and improve their network, yep. and they're getting like an injection of just delicious AWS Spectrum, among other things, that's going to be really huge for them. Yeah, right. And it's the roaming agreement goes both ways. So Dish customers will use AT&T. And in some markets, AT&T customers will be able to use Dish's Spectrum. So it really is kind of just this nice uh, agreement. This is how this is how T-Mobile should have did it when they were working with yeah. Dish. Like, I don't know why they fought so hard. Like, like Dish had band 71, 600 megahertz that T-Mobile was using during the pandemic. Why in the world would they fight? Like, they could have been they could have had a match made in heaven be mutually beneficial to each other but we'll talk about how Timo was doing them dirty here later on i don't want to get onto that right now at the moment sure sure uh any other kind of big high level positives for either AT&T or Dish at the moment um i mean the other high i mean i guess the other high level positive here is that AT&T they've been around in the game for a very long time and i know this is going to sound really cheesy but i think they're the type of mentor that Dish needs to succeed you in know the self space. I think you're probably right. You know, Dish really, they need some help. And I was seeing one article say that this basically means Dish uh, can't fail. Like, this is such a long agreement period that Dish is going to be established as an MVNO for AT&T. They're going to have the revenue from their existing customers. Odds are customer experience and service will improve as they switch from the T-Mobile network to the AT&T network that typically has more capacity and better coverage. Uh, and it seems to be overall just a good experience for, for those individuals. Uh, yeah, I, I think overall there's some positives going on here. It makes sense why this deal was cut, especially as we'll talk about later, uh, how T-Mobile was treating Dish. Can I, can I say one more positive real quick? It's yeah, absolutely. Positive. One other thing that's worth mentioning is it's not like the T-Mobile roaming agreement went away. That's still there as part of the merger requirements. So technically yeah, speaking, yeah. Dish now has coverage on AT&T, T-Mobile, and their own native network. Yeah, it, this is huge. This is really huge for Dish. And I guess, all right, my my thesis here is Dish might have just become the best AT&T MVNO in the industry. Don't, don't agree with that. Their plans and prices need to change, but I think they're positioned with this close relationship to become even better. Don't agree with that. I'm sorry. You don't think so? No. What's I think a, I think, a, think well, the way AT&T operates, you're best off just going with AT&T prepaid plans that we've been talking about, just the way that AT&T works, because we okay. know how AT&T treats their MBNO partners. 
apparently not well. I don't know. I think Dish could be different, Dennis. I think Dish could be different. We'll have to see on that. But let's talk about the bad of this. I want to get into the bad now. Yeah, so uh, what are some negatives that you saw from this agreement taking place? Well, first off, it doesn't get Dish out of the main problem they have right now, which is the need to deploy their own network and get people new devices. In fact, I actually would argue that this actually adds a layer of confusion at this point because you know ting was slowly working on migrating their customers over to the t-mobile network and sending out fresh sim cards now they're gonna have to go over this again and if you think about it your average consumer do they really want to be bothered i know it's i know swapping a sim card is not like hard or or anything like that but does the average consumer want to deal with that right i think that's a really great point dennis and i think it should also be mentioned as a recap for the audience that Dish needs to cover 70% of the U.S. population with their own 5G network by the end of 2025. However, some, I guess to put this in perspective, one article said that's only 2.9% of U.S. landmass. So Dish doesn't have to cover a whole lot of square acreage or area in order to hit that 70% number. Um, So hopefully they can do it, but you're right. Like, this is almost a side tangent of what their main mission should be in building out and expanding their own network. On the topic of building out their network, um, yeah, I mean, this is also a problem because the sites that they were setting up originally were being set up on T-Mobile cell towers. So they're going to have to remove that equipment and move it over to AT&T cell sites. So any work they would have done. Yeah, they had, it on T- they had it on T-Mobile cell sites. They were sharing it with T-Mobile cell sites. Yeah, but I mean... Would they still be allowed to just have their equipment there, do you think? Or do you think they're going to be required to remove it? I mean, I've been watching videos of them moving the equipment over to AT&T cell sites. The, oh, the wow. New, the new sites they've been setting up, they're shared with AT&T space. Oh, wow. Well, so it's I, almost, it's like doubly beneficial then. So they're not only, this is almost a positive. Like they're not only sharing AT&T spectrum, but they're actually getting access to AT&T towers, which are probably more robust and more uh, adequately deployed and set up than T-Mobile towers. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I just remember watching a video on Carlos's channel with a drone, and he was showing off like the like the, the dish cell site, um, like migrating over from T-Mobile to AT and T. Yeah, but interesting. But so I mean, like, still, that's that's still having to, that's extra work. That's an extra site visit, an extra tech you have to pay to do that work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No. Like basically, all the progress they made over these past two years might as well not have like happened. Is what I'm trying to get at. Sure, sure. For their deployments. I mean, that's assuming they do have to migrate or maybe they're choosing to migrate some and they can keep some. Well, not even that, but I'm just talking about the basic things like getting customers new phones that were T-Mobile compatible, getting them new SIM cards. I mean, some of these T-Mobile phones they might have been issuing out or phones that would have worked with T-Mobile that they were issuing out might not work with AT&T. I mean, we've seen how AT&T is really funny about voice over LTE support. Like, if you don't have the right IMEI in that system, you're SOL, you know? It's so true. And AT&T, I wish they were better on that. Um so they have they have that going dish so it sounds like kind of some bottlenecks for dish uh other problems that we could see with this deal taking place the ultimate financial issue and what would that be well dish is going to be paying for access to both like they were still paying t-mobile for access and they're promising to pay at&t for access and you said it was five billion over the next i think 10 years maybe 12. okay but that's out of their total 10 billion budget they're allocating to building out their cell network cheese that's that's what i'm getting at here like they were trying to allocate 10 billion to build out their cell network right that was what their initial plan was they need to raise money like they're not going to be able to that 
there's no way they're going to meet the time constraint unless they can raise money. Yeah, I guess you're you're definitely right about that. They're going to need extra capital to invest. I mean, it should be a slimmer build out, right? Because they're using open RAN technology. They're going to have a virtualized network core. They really just need equipment to kind of plug and play with the software. Yeah, but, but that's never the expensive part in deploying anything. Like, I'll just give you an example real quick. Like, if I wanted to go buy fiber, like legit yeah. fiber, it's really cheap per foot, right? Yeah. Same thing with the uh, with the the end pieces and stuff like that. The expensive part is paying a person like myself to go out and run that fiber. You know, paying for the expensive tools to use to drill that fiber up to the cell site paying me all my hazard pay and stuff to climb up said cell site and do all that work, right? Like that's where it gets really expensive because you figure your average cell site tower climber probably makes about 40, 50 bucks an hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. And then don't forget too, there's all the permitting, all the permitting you have to pay for. Yep. You're paying, you're paying for access on that space to crown castle or, or whoever the cell site owner is. Right. It's going to be expensive. You know, I sure. mean, I mean that's where the costs are. It's not it's not actually like getting the the raw materials. It's the man the man put that needs to be put into yeah, it. The man hours. How many man hours is this going to take to build out to flesh out? So it's it's going to be expensive, but I think we kind of knew that and I guess from my understanding T-Mobile is losing out on some of the wholesale service revenue. So maybe Dish is only going to be paying for roaming on the network as opposed to the full-on MVNO agreement. That would be, I guess, my guess at this point. Honestly, screw T-Mobile, though. <laughs> yeah, should we talk about that? Like how T-Mobile just wasn't, they weren't a nice player. Dude, T-Mobile was literally trying to kill, like kick the kid when he was down. Like they were not trying to let Dish thrive in the slightest. And it's really messed up because like, like let's just turn back the clock for a moment. Let's turn back the clock like uh, two years, yeah. right? Beginning of COVID happened, right? Dish, this whole thing just happened. Beginning of COVID happened. Dish did something that was super cool. They were like, during the pandemic, T-Mobile here, we'll let you use our spectrum for band 71. People were seeing really great speeds, right? A couple months go by. It was looking great. Charlie's just like, yo, T-Mobile, I think we should work out an agreement where you you know, you know, pay us like you did for uh, you know, Bluegrass and other, and other carriers. Makes right? sense, right? Dish is providing spectrum. T-Mobile's using it. They should be paying for it. T-Mobile's just like, nah, we don't want to pay for it. What? Like, that. that that's how that went. Oh, and my God. That's basically where the start of this rocky road happened. And if you think about it, this benefited T-Mobile to use. Like having thicker low band channels is behooving to them. And for Dish, it was good for them because they needed the revenue, right? Wait but but instead they got into this spat that has proceeded on for now two years and ultimately ended like a bad breakup. And now look where we are. T-Mobile is going to be losing billions of dollars, right? And if T-Mobile would have just bided their time, they could have easily stole so many of those customers from Boost because they would have had perfectly good T-Mobile phones. They would have just bided their time. In fact, T-Mobile did another thing that really made me upset. They were texting Boost customers about T-Mobile promos to get them over. Do you remember this? Yeah, that was. I think that was region-specific. Like There was something else behind that story, which made it, I think, in my mind, at least more okay. But I did hear that. I don't think it's okay in any situation. All right, I don't know. I don't have the full details to talk about it, but I I do know it was for one specific area, and there was something else going on, which uh, to me made it seem less overblown than it was uh, first appeared on the onset. 
yeah, but why? I mean, it's not like T-Mobile was. I mean, if it was region specific and they were texting everybody, like AT and T, Verizon, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's one thing. They were specifically targeting Boost customers. All right, we'll we'll have to get back on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> like I just don't know right now. Uh, but I think the other thing too is um, T-Mobile kind of expected to lose Dish on the onset. Okay, so we have a quote from uh, Jonathan Chaplin from New Street. And he was saying T-Mobile always assumed they would lose the Dish MBNO revenue. And this is baked into the long run guidance given at its analyst day. So T-Mobile went into this agreement promising to help boost, but also getting ready to lose that revenue. And it just happened a little bit quicker than they expected it to. So yeah. T-Mobile was not the mentor that Dish needed to kind of build out and be successful as the fourth largest wireless carrier. We haven't seen that. I wonder why they were expecting that, though. Like, why did they think that Dish would just leave? Like, I mean, my guess is that eventually Dish would have built out its network. And I'm assuming, like, as the Dish network is built out, the usage on the T-Mobile network would decline. So T-Mobile probably factor that into consideration or they just like gut instinct thought something like this would happen and discounted it from their earnings. Yeah, but that would be like a five years down the road type of thing, not a... Hey man, I, I'm just I'm just reading it as it is. I, I know, I but I, I'm saying like if you're planning for them to leave like two, three years in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially with a seven-year agreement overall. Like you would expect that usage to dip uh 2025 no i'm so. saying like five years from now so like 2026 wow yeah like i'm saying because like think about it, they haven't put a single cell site down why wouldn't why wouldn't dish milk that agreement for every year that's on there yeah 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 yeah. no you're definitely right so i think honestly i think things soured a lot between dish and t-mobile they weren't really playing nice together weren't cooperating and as a result dishes moved to at&t and who do you think got the better end of this deal, Dennis? Do you think AT&T is walking away a huge winner here with the extra $5 billion in revenue over 10 years and the spectrum access that Dish has? Or do you think Dish is the real winner with the roaming on AT&T and becoming a new AT&T MBNO? It's a tough question. I don't actually think Dish is a winner. Like To me, Dish just stopped. Dish kind of, it's kind of like if you had an infected toe. Okay. Right, that like a weird analogy, di- but okay. Like Dish cut off the infected toe. They still lost their toe, but they stopped the rest of their body from being poisoned and dying type of situation. Right? Sure. I don't think Dish walked out of this being like a champion. Like I still think Di- if I still think in an ideal world or in an alternate timeline, Dish would have been better off with a mutually beneficial relationship with T-Mobile. Like I think that would have been better for them overall. Because why, why would that have been better? Is it because of the spectrum similarities? Because of the phone compatibilities? Just just because, like like I said, this is going to involve a lot of work as far as getting people out new SIM cards when they were already chance, you know, sending people over and all the things that go along with that, right? Yeah. Um, but And I'm sure they're probably paying more to AT&T than they were paying for T-Mobile access as well. That's also worth mentioning. But, um, <clears throat> but like, I think Dish did okay in this situation. I think AT&T is ultimately in the best scenario because they're getting the extra money. They didn't really need yeah. it, but they're getting it. Um, and then I think uh, I think I have a better question for you though. Though, sure. Who do you think's more at fault in all this though? Do you think it's more of T-Mobile's problem? Like, who do you think's the actual yeah, the reason I for mean, this all happening? I I've heard that Charlie Ergen can be challenging to deal with. So 
it could have definitely been due to some relations between different executives and, and uh, C-suite level people trying to negotiate these terms and agreements. However, I think ultimately it's probably more on T-Mobile. They really were giving Dish the hardest time possible, shutting down their 3G network as soon as possible, not being willing to help or compromise with Dish to migrate customers, to provide devices, to work with them on a solution, delaying the timeline of the shutdown or anything, uh, to really just help Dish customers who are people looking for low-cost, affordable plans keep their active service. So I think T-Mobile really, they really wanted to make it as difficult as possible for Dish. It's no surprise Dish left. And I'd, I'd probably put most of this on T-Mobile. Some of it could be on Dish uh, to some degree. Like I think they could have also proposed different solutions and stuff. But yeah, I think I would I would give T-Mobile a little bit more of this blame. What do you What are your thoughts, Dennis? Am I on the right track here? Or are you different opinion? Yes, I mean, um, <clears throat> I feel like T-Mobile is a little bit more in the wrong on this, just because of the things that I know that they did, like the fact they weren't willing to pay for access to Spectrum when they were willing to do with everybody else type of deal, that kind yeah. of thing. But I will just say, Dish doesn't get away from this scot free. Like, technically speaking it's Dish's responsibility to get new devices for their customers, technically speaking. Like, the fact of the matter is, is Dish is being cheap. Yep. Like, Dish Dish is being cheap. Like, if they wanted to, like like I said, we talked about short stop gaps. If they wanted to, they could have bought, like, T-Mobile Revel phones, which are, like, what, 129 MSRP? Yeah, yeah, they're so cheap. Right? Like, they could have literally bought, like, 10,000 of those or however many customers they need to replace with those phones. And just gave them out. Just gave them out. Already pre-installed the SIM card. And then good to go for the next couple years. And then whenever they actually get their network deployed and, you know, the 5G bands and everything like that get supported, hopefully in a mid-range or a budget phone, yep. they do it one more time. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that T-Mobile should have came in 50-50 because, like I said, it's not like it wasn't advantageous of them to get new phones for these customers. I mean, I'm sure they're doing that right now as these Boost customers leave to go off to X, Y, and Z places. So I don't know why uh, T-Mobile couldn't have like, made a compromise on that because I understand T-Mobile's point of view about not wanting to slow down progress as far as the shutdown goes. Oh, 100%. Like, it actually makes a lot of sense what T-Mobile is saying, and I think – it just would have been better, I think, if they came to a more mutual agreement where they could have worked something out to provide devices to customers so they could have continued with a more aggressive timeline for shutting down that old spectrum for the 3G network while also allowing Boost customers owned by Dish to, to get a device that will work with their needs. And Stetson, I would just say one thing that will probably shock you, though. T-Mobile did not have to hurry about shutting down Sprint's CDMA network because you want to know something funny? What? It was only using like five megahertz of bandwidth. Really? It was only a five by five like megahertz block that they would have had to kept going. Oh geez, yeah, that seems so easy because they really utilize just the uh, band forty one spectrum from Sprint, right? Right. Yeah. All they added, dude. They literally have a hundred megahertz of N forty one to play around with. There was no reason that they needed that. That five megahertz of bandwidth that they're going to be freeing up is not going to do jack to dilly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we had a question from a viewer in the live stream, Skychunk. Is T-Mobile out entirely, or is T-Mobile's agreement with Dish still active? T-Mobile's agreement with Dish is still active at the moment. At the moment, yes. Uh, it sounded like 
Dish will be moving to be fully on AT&T and T-Mobile will be losing out on the revenue. However, it might be possible that roaming agreements will still be in place. So real quick, I see some comments talking about how there, some people are mentioning about less traffic on the T-Mobile network and more spectrum to go around. Sounds good to them. I want to be I want to say something here that might sound good on paper, but remember that T-Mobile is the broke carrier right now. So them losing this type of guaranteed consistent revenue is not good for them. They are desperately, desperately trying to find ways to make more money. That's why they came out with T-Mobile Home Internet. That's why they came out with T-Mobile uh, TV. Like T-Mobile needs money. They're in a lot of debt that they acquired from the Sprint merger. And they need a lot of capital to densify their network and upgrade cell sites. It's that situation again where when before Sprint went away, we always talked about how Sprint had all the bullets but no guns. Yeah. Like T-Mobile's in that situation right now. They got all the bullets in the world but not enough guns to fire them with. Right. And the guns being the money, the money and the, and the, and the, the ability to invest into the infrastructure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, you're definitely right, Dennis. And I think um, something else this is kind of a pivot back to Dish. Something negative for them is there was a stipulation put in place with this agreement where if Dish was bought out by another company or 50% ownership went to another entity, the contract may be terminated. So I think this can allude to. The fact that AT&T was possibly concerned Dish being bought out by either Amazon or Google or another company and, you know, what kind of competitive advantage that would give a tech company trying to build a cell carrier, which could be potentially awesome. Uh, and I think this agreement is really meant to build a tighter partnership with Dish and possibly delay or postpone any potential buyouts. I'm going to be honest, though. In an ideal world, I would have actually liked to see Amazon buy out Dish. I agree with you, Dennis. I think Amazon uh, could crush it. I could easily see them buying Dish in a couple of years uh, and really leveraging the technology they're building today as well as what will be deployed in the future. Can I give you another hot take of a company I wouldn't mind owning, di owning Dish? Yeah. Microsoft. Ooh. Well, Microsoft is working closely with AT&T right now. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying it would be interesting if instead of partnering with AT&T, if they just outright bought Dish and did their own thing. That would be really cool. That and there's really one cool. one more one more giant company. Guess, guess which company that I'm thinking of right now. Who's the third option do you think I'm thinking I, I would, of? I would say Apple, to be honest with you. No. God, Not no. Apple. God, um, no. <laughs> so we got Microsoft, Google? Yep. I would be, I'd be interested to see Google, specifically Alphabet, you know, whatever letter yeah. they want to name it. Because, you know, they were doing uh, Google Fi, right? Like, yeah. instead of Google Fi being an MNO, what if they actually like, built their or own network? proper MNO. Yeah, I mean, that would be really cool. I think uh, Google Fi is struggling with its own issues right now. So True, but look at Google. Uh, look at Google's fiber service. Oh, yeah. phone. Yeah, <laughs> we're saying the trigger word, Dennis, oh no. But yeah, think about their fiber service, though. It's literally the best in the country. I think I think their fiber is just separate from their their telecom, though. Like, when I'm on the Google Fi subreddit, I'm following all these poor stories of people trying to trade in devices and get credit, people trying to purchase brand new devices, having devices not showing up, having credit not applied to their account. Some people have been getting locked out of their Google accounts. It's probably a little bit of a separate story. 
But I think ultimately, like when you're building a network, the systems you need in place for customer service, for support, for logistics of that network are super, super important. I don't think Google Fi has that yet. I'm actually more optimistic that Dish has that with the purchase of Ting. But I guess if Google Fi bought Dish, who owns Ting, then they could, I don't know, utilize that. But why would you want Apple? I'm just curious. Like, Apple is not good about playing with others. So why would you want Apple? I think Apple does one thing really well, and I think it's customer service and experience. I think that is something that the cell phone and telecom industry doesn't really have right now. Like, you can have a bad experience regardless of which carrier you go to. And I think the speed and efficiency that uh, could be built out uh, with what Dish has currently as its foundation could be really powerful. And Apple just has the capital. Like, they have the cash to slap together a network. So I got I got one more. I have one more company I want to mention as a hot take. Yeah. And I know it's going to be really spicy. But what if, like, Samsung? Nope. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. All devices come pre-installed with Samsung Fit and Samsung well, Smart here, Home. Well, hear, hear me out for just a quick second, okay? Samsung. So I told you I spent time in Korea for like a month, right? Yeah. Samsung makes more than just like electronics, dude. They make like air conditioners. They sell health insurance. Wow. They do, they do so much stuff. LG owns a cell phone network in Korea, okay? LG. So... I don't think it'd be that far-fetched to think that Samsung could pull it off. And Korea has one of the best cell phone networks across the globe. Does Samsung provide networking equipment? Like our yeah. companies? Yeah, wow. Samsung's the one that's providing the networking equipment that these carriers are using for their cell sites. Wow. They make the equipment. This, this spicy take has got a great uh, zest to it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and they're, and they, dude, think about all the capital they have, too. Like Samsung's got money for days. They could definitely pull it off. So, yeah, maybe you're maybe you're not crazy, Dennis. That could be a really interesting. Uh, they would never see. do it, but I would love to see it. Yeah, you're right. They definitely wouldn't. But uh, yeah, I, I think I don't know. Have we covered everything people need to know about this Dish AT and T deal? Like, what what can customers expect next? Um, I think what customers can expect next next is a lot of silence. I don't think anything is going to be happening. I think this is going to be a very slow process, and we can just expect to see current customers with Ting start receiving AT&T SIM cards and possible notifications about needing to replace the devices with phones that are compatible with AT&T. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's going to be I think it's going to be slow. I I think you're right because we had this 2-year migration period. Odds are we won't start seeing things until year 1, so this time next year maybe. And you know what's weird to me, Dennis? Ting was able to get MVNO agreements with all other networks. They got Verizon, they got T-Mobile, they couldn't get AT&T. And now, all of a sudden, they're on the AT&T network. How crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I but I think it's going to be challenging, right? Like, they got to get they got to replace the Verizon SIM cards they have sent out. They got to replace the T-Mobile ones and, and just yeah. go all AT&T. I, mean, I guess my question is, like, will Tang be required to do this? Or will they be able to keep, you know, some of their existing agreements? How long would those last? I, I almost see this as a good thing. Like, if... Ting was going to have to migrate everyone to T-Mobile. I'm almost happier they have to migrate everyone to AT&T. I think that's just going to be better overall. Um, but yeah. I, I agree. I just I just think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be challenging to reach out to all those customers and convince them to once again Switch, bother yeah. doing this thing, right? Like, yeah. 
Like, I mean, think about this. If, 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 I know you swap out SIM cards all day, every day. Like, we literally have these carrying cases with our little SIM ejector tools inside. So, like, we're not the average person, but put yourself in the shoes of an average person. If a company kept harassing, I don't want to say harassing, but bothering you to come in and swap SIM cards, wouldn't you just look at another carrier? Like, if another carrier was tantalizing me with a free new iPhone 12 Pro Max, and they were going to do it all for me in the store. Yeah. Would I would I really do all this? I yeah, I mean it's just gonna come down to um I think the customer. Like my guess, Dennis, is a lot of these boost mobile customers, these Ting Mobile customers, they're used to low cost cell phone plans, they're used to being off contract. And I think at least with Ting, they've built up this reputation of good support. So if they do need to do a customer migration to a new network, I think that's more likely to go smoothly. I think with Boost, I think Boost might be uh, one of the carriers with the highest churn right now. I think people are churning out of that pretty quickly. I could easily see those customers jumping ship to AT&T proper, to T-Mobile proper, to Verizon proper, uh, as opposed to dealing with this fiasco of getting a new SIM card and or possibly having to get new devices. But I think for some of the MVNO people who are used to buying their devices full price, unlocked, off contract... I think they'd be totally game to keep their current plan and switch networks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think we beat this pretty good. I mean, let's just end it with one clean remark so that there's no confusion. End remark, what are your thoughts on it? Good, bad overall? I think this is overall a good move for both AT&T and DISH, and ultimately a means for customers on the DISH network. This is going to be... Tang Mobile, Boost Mobile, and Republic Wireless subscribers, they will eventually be migrated over to the AT&T network. And my my conclusion is, overall, I think this is ultimately good as well. I think it's going to be very painful in the short term, but ultimately, it's the medicine that DISH needed to actually be able to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us to our second topic for today's show. This is kind of a, a lower key topic, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about. And this is US Mobile. You know, speaking of big deals happening so we had that five billion dollar dish at&t deal us mobile actually just raised venture capital uh they got series a funding 11 and a half million dollars from volition capital uh this is a boston-based growth equity firm and you might be thinking well what is us mobile going to do with all this capital and it's going to be invest and grow i think uh when you're an mvno you don't really have too much overhead, right? Like you've got people, you've got your office, and you've got your agreement with your MNO, your provider. In this case, US Mobile is using T-Mobile and Verizon. I think US Mobile is gonna take this capital investment and pump it into their people to build an amazing team and their product. I think they're gonna build an amazing tech stack and continue to keep it lightweight and have a great design and uh just try and grow we might actually see some marketing and promos from them as well so i i'm, I'm excited for what this means yeah I, i'm honestly i know this isn't what you were planning on talking about with them but i'm really curious about what's going on with eSIM and 5g dude and Wi-Fi yes calling. uh so this is one of the things that was talked about in the articles announcing this that us mobile is using it to build out eSIM, innovate in their user experience in their software stack and expand into the connected devices market. I think uh, 
yeah, like it's kind of crickets. We were hoping to see ESIM. I think I said a, around July 2nd is the earliest possible date uh, based on what was commented on Reddit. And that has come and gone. So I think US Mobile is still hard at work. And I think uh, they're just, they're hitting roadblocks. And ultimately, I think what it, what it comes down to for them is they need to under promise and over deliver. If they don't have a product that's ready to go, I don't think they should be talking about it. Yeah, maybe we can, we'll have to see if we can reach out to Ahmed maybe. See if we can get an insider scoop. Yeah, <laughs> see what's going on. I think yeah. it'll come out soon. Uh, some I guess some other interesting things we gleaned from this is US Mobile is getting $10 million in annual recurring revenue. And they also have over six figures of subscribers. So doing some quick math, that means they're probably averaging about $8 per customer with a customer base around 104,000. Although that to me seems pretty low. So I'm guessing maybe, I don't know, maybe they're closer to 150 to 200,000 customers. And maybe the annual revenue is closer to like 12 to 15 uh, million. But kind of interesting to get like a sneak peek into like, what their company is like that seems super small to me dennis yeah honestly yeah you know what you're right actually now that i think about it when i would think about us mobile i always compared them to mint which mint's pretty massive right yeah like, i think my guess with mint is they're probably around like two and a half to five million customers right now but it you know they don't publish their numbers so it's really you kind of try and get some clues here and there and then you have to extrapolate not with a whole lot of information. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say Mint is probably like, gosh, what is that? Like 10 times bigger than US Mobile or something like that? Right, but I meant like the thing is, like I would have never guessed it based off of US Mobile's experience. Yeah, like yeah. I would have never guessed it. In fact, they do a pretty good job at advertising too, to a certain extent on like social media and stuff. I would, I would disagree. I mean, yeah, they have a social media presence, but they're not doing the Super Bowl commercials like Mint is. They don't have a Ryan Reynolds with however many millions of subscribers on his YouTube channel, pumping out like ads. Like I want to say, I see a mint mobile video come up on the Ryan's rental channel, like once a month, once every two months. And these are, these are not ads. These are like high quality entertainment videos. Like they're great. Um, but I think what benefits us mobile is that they have low customer acquisition costs. Like yeah. think about it. If, if mint's pumping money into commercials, they're spending big just to get a single customer. Right. Because and it goes back to like the target audience too right like yeah are you gonna find your target customer on cable television right right uh and i think us mobile they've been able to focus on the thing that matters most the product right like we haven't heard of data breaches or things going on like that um and i really hope mint is able to get some two-factor authentication in there while we're talking about it maybe us mobile should get on the ball with that too but um well i think they, they, I feel like they've been just keeping it kind of clean and lean. Like they don't have customer acquisition costs and they can focus all of that uh, revenue on building a better product and iterating the product. And once the product is ready, they can uh, turn on the marketing faucet and start advertising and reaching a broader audience. I just wonder what this is ultimately going to do though. Like as far as like, like I wonder why they chose to get the money now type. It will generate the money. Yeah. And I wonder what this series a funding like this full this fulton capital like i wonder what the impact will be on the u.s mobile that we know today like because a lot of times one of the things that's scary about having an investor is now they're going to start having a little bit of pressure on yeah. how you operate your company it's no longer your company entirely right you got to kind of please your stakeholders 
So uh, I'm wondering what this end game is going to be now. This big angel—I don't even want to call him an angel investor, but this big investor is putting their uh, their hat in the ring. Yeah, you're right. I mean, investors want to see basically one thing: return on investment. So I, I guess like if I were thinking, uh, I'm bullish in capital. I'm thinking they're giving a huge cash infusion into U.S. Mobile. They're helping them invest in people, build their tech stack, and grow. I would expect U.S. Mobile to eventually sell or go public probably in maybe like five to ten years. We'll hear something about that. This could be a longer-term play, but... Honestly, I could see U.S. Mobile, I could see US Mobile licensing their software. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And then basically selling out U.S. Mobile to like one of the big carriers. Dude, I... I low-key secretly hope Verizon or someone is able to buy it and just make their experience so much better because, like, I feel like the Verizon website, AT&T website, it's janky. It's like systems hacked together and things that are not supposed to be working together, trying to work together. We have been... a term. We have a term for that when it comes to coding. We call it spaghetti code. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like right now the carriers are serving out huge overflowing dishes of spaghetti and I want a clean plate and I want to start off with something that is beautiful. And I think that's what uh US Mobile has. Ooh, we've got a we've got a spicy take from the comments. Maybe Dish will buy US Mobile. Oh god, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I I appreciate this idea. Uh name's Kazi, I think. I think what will what's more likely to happen is, I mean, U.S. Mobile's a tech. They're basically a tech company that happens to be working on an MVNO. I think another tech company would be more likely to buy them. Like I could and plus, see, plus Dish already bought Ting for their yeah. Builder. So they don't like Dish doesn't need like Ting had the back end. I think um, I would almost see like Amazon or someone going for it later down the road. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, Dennis, that's kind of all I had for this show. I mean, U.S. Mobile, they got a bunch of money. Um, kind of interesting to see where they stand. And it, it kind of puts in perspective, honestly, how large Boost Mobile is with their even pretty small, like 8.9 million subscribers, like in the MVNO space. Like, that's that's huge. You know, respect to them. Uh, oh, AT&T's quarterly earnings report. Should we talk a little bit about that? I want to see it for the after show. Oh, that's perfect. So, Dennis, should we just segue right into the after show then? Yeah, before we do, guys, uh, for anybody that's been here, make sure you give a thumbs up, subscribe if you haven't done so already, and check out the Patreon because there's a ton of exclusive content that's behind the scenes. I would love to see more friendly faces in the Discord where I can help you out with all kinds of things in case you have any kind of tech questions. And yeah, we're going to go to the after show now. That way we can answer more of your questions and be more interactive. We're going to talk about Verizon raising prices, the quarterly earnings calls for Verizon and AT&T, and a lot of other good stuff. So we'll see you guys in about 15 minutes in the after show. This was a great, great outro. Thank you guys for watching. We're going to talk to you in the next podcast episode. And if you're live on YouTube, we're going to talk to you in 15 minutes for the after show. That's it. Peace, guys. Peace.